Well, the question I have for you today is, are you under the influence? That's the title of my message today is, are you under the influence? My son Abraham called me this week, actually texted me at 4 (laughs) a.m. And uh, woke me up. And uh, he had had an alcohol bust. He's an RA at Anderson University. And he was saying, Dad, Dad, pray for me. But he had, had somebody had come and put a note under his door and said there's a party at room 30. And there's a lots and lots of alcohol. Slid in under his door, knocked on the door about 1.30, 2 o'clock, took off running. And Abe gets this note and reads it. So he gets his resident director and another staff and they go bust a party. And in the party, uh, there's all kinds of empty vodka bottles and it was a really a tough situation because the room was actually his roommate from last year. And so Abe's got to bust his own roommate from last year who was on the basketball team. And uh, they deny that they're drinking and they're lying. Oh, no, we're not drinking. No, no, not at all. There's nothing going here. Those are just empty bottles. Sound familiar? And so... Uh, the resident director said, well, we're going to give you guys a breath elizer test, and we'll see if you've been drinking. And all of a sudden, they fessed up. Because what would the breath elizer test tell them? That they were under the influence. And that they would be under the influence of, of an alcoholic beverage that would change the way they behave. Is that not true? Well, how many want to be under the influence by the Holy Spirit? Or the influence upon your life is intoxicating. That you will say things that you would not normally say. That you'll do things that you would not normally do because you're under the influence of the power of the supernatural. That you're not natural. So today my question is, is are you under the influence? And I'm going to go into a topic today about being under the influence of the Spirit of God about something that could get really, really touchy today. Could actually make some people angry, and that's okay. Because I believe it's my responsibility as a leader in this house to say difficult things. And so I'm starting just with that question because I believe we need to have our minds transformed in an area today by the Spirit of God. And our mind needs to be renewed into thinking the way God thinks rather than how we think. Or, even less attractive, how the world thinks. And so today what I'm going to talk about is I'm going to actually talk about the election and voting. And I may tick some of you off, and that is great. Take it up with Jesus. I am not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'm going to talk about being under the influence of the Holy Spirit when we vote. Now, if you're 18 years of age and older, please stand up. If you're 18 or older. Sorry, teenagers. I'm leaving you out for just a second. But please don't discount what I'm saying if you're under 18. Every one of you are of legal age to vote. 
if you are not registered to vote, sit down. Just a few. Okay. All of you have a civic responsibility to be led by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit when it comes in a month. You can be seated for a second. In a month, we will be deciding who will be the next president of the United States of America, the commander-in-chief. In our nation, there are approximately 35 million evangelical Christians in America. 27 million of those evangelical Christians are registered to vote. So there's 7 million who are not registered in this nation. That's startling. That is very startling. And so where I'm going to go today is, number one, I want to, outside of my message, I want to say this. If you're not registered and you're one who sat down, will you please go tomorrow and register to vote? You're going to understand when I go through this message today why it's so important. I'm going to give some biblical basis of why it's so important. But I really want to encourage you, you have until, I believe it's Monday or Tuesday, to register. In your bulletin, we have put in the bulletin how you do that. You can actually go to the license branch. You can do it online. But do it, please. And you're going to, I believe, feel convicted by the Spirit of God of why to do that here in a few minutes. But I really want to encourage you tomorrow get registered or you're going to be out of time and you will not have the privilege of voting and you know what women used to not be able to vote blacks used to not be able to vote we all need to honor the lord in our voting can i have an amen on that amen. praise god our times have changed can i have an amen on that so every election i believe is important and your vote does make a difference even though most of the time it feels like it doesn't does anybody feel like their vote doesn't matter? It's not true. And I'm going to show you some things today that prove that your vote does matter. In 2012, when Barack Obama was voted in as president of the United States, or should I say re-elected as president of the United States, it was 335,000 votes in four swing states that got him elected. 335,000 people, and we have 7 million people who are evangelical Christians in America that are not registered to vote. Now, whether your preference of Barack Obama is whatever it is, I'm not here to debate. I'm just saying, in 2012, it was only 335,000 votes that swung that towards him. That's not very many votes, friends. So you think your vote doesn't matter, but it does. But when Christians get involved in the system and voting, we do make a difference. Now I got Phyllis, she's going to control the PowerPoint because our clicker uh, is not working effectively. So Phyllis, if you don't mind, put up here in just, yeah, in 2002. Here's what we're going to do. During the four elections, I tell you what, so they don't read that for just a second, just put that down. I do have a little more. Sorry, guys. In, two th in, in the last, in, during the four elections between 1992 and 2002, the evangelical turnout steadily declined in America. 
evangelicals were not coming to the elections like they had in the past. And so with that 10-year period, voter turnout for evangelicals was on the decline. In 2002, however, something began to change with the evangelical vote. Something sparked an interest, and polls showed a 2%, just a 2% increase in evangelical Christians going and voting. And do you want to know what 2% increase did in 2002? Are you guys ready for that? So in 2002, pro-life, pro-faith, and pro-family, 36 of the 54 new house members were pro-life, pro-faith, and pro-family. Eight of 10 senators, which is 80%, were pro-life, pro-family, pro-faith. Just with a 3% increase in evangelical voters. That's what took place at the polls. Now, in 2004, a much more substantial turnout of Christians happened, and 93% more evangelical Christians came to the polls. 93% more Christians came in 2004. Whoa! Why was everyone coming in 2004? There was a 93% increase, and the major increase gave pro-life candidates a huge majority in the House and Senate. And here's what happened in 2004. Pro-life, pro-family, pro-faith, 25 of 40 new House members, 63% were that, and 7 of 9 new senators, 77%, were pro-life, pro-faith, and pro-family. Because the evangelical Christian movement made a difference. Does that excite anybody? Does that excite anybody? Well, David Burton, who is a historian, said the results of the 93% increase in Christian voting resulted in the congressional enactment of the first, first four major standalone pro-life laws since Roe versus Wade. So Roe versus Wade was in 1973. So since 1973, in 2004, that whole thing with the evangelical vote getting out there, it began to move our nation and our culture to where now we had first, for the first time since 73, four laws that were changed on the books concerning pro-life. And these are the four laws, and I'll explain them just briefly. So the first four major standalone pro-life laws since Roe versus Wade. First one is the Infants Born Alive Protection Act. That act is if a baby survives the abortion, you are required to save and protect that baby. Before... If the baby was born alive, they allowed it to die and not save it. Because that baby had no rights. The second one, the Unborn Victims of Violence Act. This was a big, big debated act because they were afraid that if, they, if this act got through, that it would pave the way of reversing Roe versus Wade. And currently that act is if you are assaulted, a mother is assaulted and your baby dies, that it is actually, the, the baby actually 
is a victim. It is actually a person. And it actually, you can be charged with, a, uh, with, with murder of the baby, whereas before you weren't. The second one was the partial birth abortion ban. Thank God that got enacted. I don't know if you guys know the gruesomeness of partial birth, birthing, but they literally disman the baby inside the womb of the mother. And the fourth one is the fetal farming ban that Bush signed in in 2004, uh, or maybe it was five, I can't remember. No, it was four. And what that was is that is a future-reaching act because they were concerned that, that there would be technology that would come in the future that would be able to go in and take from the fetus cells and tissue in order to do farming, in order to save others' lives and do that. And so that act was put in before it is even done in order to protect the life of children. Now, we're talking about a lot more than just life today and children. But when, when, when Christians showed up to the polls and they began to vote with their faith, things change in our culture. Can I have an amen? In 2004, because of this move of 93% more evangelicals coming to vote, there was other things that took place too. There were more pro-life senators that resulted in confirmation of two new pro-life Supreme Court justices. So because of that, in 2004, in that movement, two justices were now pro-life because of the voting. Because now the president puts in a conservative person that provides and changes the culture of America. I realize that our salvation is not in politics. I realize that our hope is not in politics. It is in God and God alone. It is in Christ and Christ alone. But your voice does matter, and what you believe, and when you vote, if you're under the supernatural power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, if you're under the influence, you must allow the Spirit of God to direct you. Well, in 2006, something else happened, and actually the voter turnout of evangelicals dropped by 30%. And you want to know the results of 30% less evangelicals coming? Show them, Phyllis. Pro-life, pro-faith, pro-family, only 17 of 54 New House members were pro-faith pro-life, pro-family, and only one of the 10 senators, 10%, because the evangelical voice dropped. See, here's what I believe. I believe God does what you do as you do what he does. See, I believe, just as I preached two weeks ago, about how the Spirit of God at creation was hovering over creation, waiting for the command of the Lord. And when the command of the Lord said, let there be light, Holy Ghost said, there is, boom, there's light. We talked about how in the children of Israel, when they were in, 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 in bondage, and, and Moses led the people out 
and the holy it's, and we talked about the wind of god and when the wind of god came and he parted the red sea it wasn't a wind the word wind was the word ruach which means holy spirit and ruach blew and ruach was the very anointing he was the very power of god to separate the waters and the children of israel walked on dry ground because of the spirit of god because the spirit of god is the power behind god he's the action behind god but friends you are also the action behind god you being led and being under the influence of the Spirit of God are the action behind God. He uses you. He responds to the way God's people respond. Will you come in agreement with Him? Or will you do it your way? God moves when His people move. So, if we don't go to the polls, if we don't have a voice, we limit what God does. It's true. It's true. Christians voting makes a difference. Who you vote for in this election will actually determine several Supreme Court justices coming up, which is a very critical issue. Very critical issue. One's already died, and it's going to be a real critical race on who gets in. Now, let me show you some of the things that the Supreme Court justices have done over the last 20-some years. You guys want to see this? Yeah. Phil, let's put it up on the board. 1962, they outlawed teacher-led prayer and Bible reading in public schools. 1968, just six years later, they outlawed, outlawed the posting of Ten Commandments in schools. 1973, just a few more years later, created unlimited right to an abortion. 2003, declared homosexual acts as a constitutional right. And in 2015, they redefined marriage to include same-sex partners. That's been taking place in our nation for the, quite a while. Does that bother anybody? Does it bother anybody else? Well, I pray that you will vote and you will get registered to vote because I believe God moves when we move. Now, here's the big question in the elections coming up. Who in the world do you vote for? <laughs> I, I'm not telling you today who to vote for. That's your choice. But I'm going to talk to you today about how I make my decisions. And I'm going to talk to you today about what you need to do as a man or a woman of God. If you call yourself a lover of God, connected to the King of glory, again, my question is, is are you under the influence of the Holy Spirit? Because I'm going to show you some statistics also, I'm going to show you some things, and I say, how in the world can Christians be hearing something different? You know, you have a 50-50 chance come a month around now of making the right choice. I mean, you've got a pretty good percentage. There's a lot of crud hitting the fans on each candidate right now. I mean, yesterday was an interesting day. And I will admit, there's something about each one that I can't stand. 
Can I have a witness? So how in the world? How in the world do you decide who to vote for? I've heard so many Christians say, I don't like either one of them. I'm not going to vote. I've heard people say, oh my gosh, couldn't they have given us a better choice than these two? But remember what I said just a few minutes ago. God does do what you do. God does uh, allow us to have free choice. He is watching how you will vote. He really is. <laughs> well, today I'm going to share what I believe is the ingredients of how to make a choice on who you vote for. And I may honk you off and I say thank you. It won't be the first or the last time. But I love you and I pray that God will reveal himself to us all in this process. First, I am not and you are not to be led by anything that's natural. Did you hear me? We are not to be led by anything that is natural. We are to be led by supernatural. We are not of this world. We are aliens. We are passing through. We have been called to a family of God, but we've also been called to a kingdom. And the increase of his government, there shall be no end. <laughs> And you may say Satan's gaining ground, and yes, he may be, but I saw God even Saturday when we were in here praying. I saw the Lord, I saw him as we were praying and interceding and worshiping prayer last night. I could see the Lord just laying back a little bit and laughing and saying, oh, Satan, you think you have the last hand, but you don't. You don't. Because I'm going to come in and I'm going to move and I'm going to move in power because I'm going to get a people who are behind me. I'm going to get a people who believe in me. I'm going to get a people who will raise up and get ready. And they will be led by the Spirit of God. They will be under His influence. And I'm calling you to get under the influence. I'm calling you to get as drunk as you can in God, and that you would be influenced by Him in your sleeping, in your waking, in your job. Everywhere you go, you are led by the Spirit of God, and it's saturated, and your cup is flowing over and flowing over and affecting everybody around you. I'm glad there's some people that are saying yes. So we're not led by the natural. I'm not led by how politics are going to benefit me. I'm not led by my emotions. I'm not led, and you're not to be led by whether you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. You're not led by your family of origin. Man, my grandmother, Pauline Lacey, bless her soul, she was Democrat and she was going to vote Democrat whether it was the devil himself. It did not matter what you said or what you thought. There was no negotiation. 
and I know people on the Republican side that have been the same way. It is hell or high water, that's the one. You're not to be led by whether you're Republican or Democrat. Can I have an amen? amen. You're not to be led by your family origin. You're not to be led by what your union says about what candidate or what the school board thinks is best for education. You're not led by your pride. You're not led by your fear. You're not led by your emotions. You're not led by your personal preference. Whether they're going to take your guns away, or whether you want to smoke marijuana, or whether you don't like abortion, or whether you don't like this, or you do like this, or you want more benefits, or you want Medicare to increase. We all want a, a standard of living increase, but it's not about you. And if you vote based upon your benefit, your preference, what you want, you will be led astray. We are to be led by the Holy Ghost. We are to be led by the Word of God. We are to be led by principle and justice and righteousness. Somebody tell me amen. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 is one of my theme scriptures. Go ahead and show it. Most of you have it memorized, I hope. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, your own thinking, but in all your ways acknowledge God. He will direct your path. He will make your path straight. He will show you the way to go. He will tell you what's on his heart. And then later it even goes on further and it says, Fear the Lord and shun evil and it will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You could also say, Fear the Lord and shun evil and it will be health to your nation and nourishment to your country. I hope this chart shows up. Show this chart. Oh, gosh, I was afraid of that. I did my best, guys. What I want to talk about here, this here is all the evangelical vote. And over here, you can see it's got Mormon, Church of the Nazarene, Southern Baptist Convention, the Southern Church, Missionary Synod, Assemblies of God, Presbyterian. I mean, it goes down through the whole list. I mean, it goes all the way down, and it goes even further. And it talks about where people vote in the evangelical group. And yes, this red is, of course, Republican. The blue is Democrat. And it shows that the more conservative go Republican, the more liberal go, yes, that's all fine and well. But my question of showing this is not whether you're Republican or Democrat. The question that breaks my heart, to be honest with you, when I look at this and I see how the evangelical rate they, they vote, why is there such disparity? Why is there not a unity? Why is half of, of Christendom hearing one thing and half is hear, hearing something else? 
How is that possible? Because they're not under the influence. I believe most Christians are voting based upon their preference and what benefits them. The Bible says to be led by the Spirit and you won't gratify the sins of the flesh. Is that the same Bible you guys read? Even last Sunday we had a time of praying for the Russian team. And even in that process, many were hearing different things from the Lord than others were. There was a disparity of the voice of the Lord. Yet there was a, a red theme that ran through it that you had to discern on what was God saying to the team as they were going to Russia. How is it that I have brothers that I love in the Lord and they are way out there on some of their beliefs? How is this so? Are you under the influence? What are you being influenced by? See, it really requires humility. It requires humility to say, God, I only want what you want. I, and please don't take this wrong, because there's two sides of this corn. Coin, corn. <laughs> well, there's, well, you know, there is buy a corn, buy in, you know, buy corn. <laughs> I do like it, too. It's that ooh, white and yellow. It's good. <laughs> Rabbit trail. Whoop. It's the same coin, but I'm telling you, one side of my coin is I'm a, I, I don't know nothing, and I, I, I am not smart in my own right. But yet on the other side, I'm a man of faith, and God speaks to me. And so there's a confidence in knowing that I hear from God, but there's a, a, a confidence in knowing that without him, I'm nothing. And that I can't make good decisions without him. I don't know about you, I make stupid decisions without God. Has anybody had any boneheaded moves besides me? I'm glad some of you are real. We need to be authentic. And sometimes we think we're hearing from the Spirit of God, and we're really hearing from our own flesh. We're hearing from our own voice, our own pleasures, our own desires, our own idols, our own things that are inside of us. And sometimes we're hearing from God, sometimes we're hearing from others, and sometimes we're hearing from the enemy. And so... I can't stop with just saying that you need to be led by the Spirit of God. Because in some ways, this being led of the Spirit of God is subjective. I, if Tina tells me, I've heard from God, bless God, and I'm, I can't debate with her. Hey, she's heard. Whoops. She's heard. I, I, I'm not going to negotiate with her. Anybody that throws the God card, well, I heard from God, and bless God, you're, you're, this, this is what I'm supposed to do. Well, bless God, you heard from God. I hope you have. 
And that's why the Word of God, we cannot only be led by the Spirit, but we have to be led by the Word. See, it has to be both and. And this church, we've been very, 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 I think, very good being led by the Spirit. But sometimes our word level is very shallow. Many people in this church do not have a depth of the richness of God's Word. And because you don't have a depth of God's Word, you don't always know that what you're hearing from the Spirit is in alignment with the Word of God. And that's very dangerous. And so we have been declaring for the last year, we have got to be men and women of the Word. Mike challenges several weeks, stand up if you read the Word every day this week. And if you notice, I didn't stand up. I missed Saturday. I was like, doggone, Mike, could you have said six days out of the seven? <laughs> You're making me look really bad. <laughs> but we have to be men and women of the Word. So my first point is we have to be led by the Spirit of God. But we also, I want to talk about being led by the Word of God. See, I want to ask you, the candidate you think you're going to vote for right now, which candidate has a greater, and I'm saying greater because there are issues on both sides. Are you hearing me? Yeah. Sorry, this earpiece isn't working real well. What candidate has the closest biblical world Biblical worldview refers to the framework of ideas and beliefs through which Christians, individuals, groups, and cultures interpret the world and they interact with it. Which candidate has a more biblical worldview? That they are more inclined to run things through what the Word of God says rather than what is political. What is popular? What is the people that gets votes? Which candidate stands more biblically based? Which candidate has more of a biblical worldview? And here's where I'm struggling. I cannot endorse someone that wants to endorse sin. The candidate you're voting for, do they legislate or are they wanting to legislate sin or are they wanting to redefine what sin is? The Bible is very clear about what sin is. God is very clear about what sin is. I could have read many scriptures today, a list of what sin is. The Bible has been very, very clear what sin is. And we are one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Can we say one nation under God? One nation under God, almighty. And they're trying to strip that away. Is the candidate you're looking at okay with rewriting laws like the definition of marriage? Or are they okay with the murder of children? Are they wanting to redefine what the Bible says is sin? That's your choice. 
here's the deal. Most Christians, most, the reason there's such a disparity is most Christians don't do their homework. Most Christians just go to the poll and start hitting buttons. Yeah, I think I know that guy's name. Yeah, I think I've heard of, yeah, I think I've heard of him. Um, hmm, yeah, 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 um, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, Holy Spirit, pull my toe. That one, okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, here comes a faith opening. Whatever word comes and it rhymes with the person's name. Okay, here go. Holy Spirit, which one? Okay. Hey, you, you're laughing. We go in there, fly by the seat of our pants, and then go, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Who do I vote for? There is so much information online. If you want to know who someone is, their history, if you want to know what they vote for, if you want to know if they lend more towards a biblical word, world view or not, it's in there, it's there. Matter of fact, Paula Glasser has done a wonderful job. There's several things out on our Welcome Center. If you want to know the position of uh, someone, it's out there. Now, the ones we have out there right now are the national, but I tell you what, in, in this week's paper, it goes down the whole list of who's running for office locally right there. You can, go to the, you can go to the newspaper and get this. 2016 election coverage. And you can go. Matter of fact, my mom and dad had me over the other day and said, okay, let's have a talk. Who do you know? What do you know about these people? And they want to know. And I said, well, this is what I know about this one. This is what I know about that one. This is what I know about this one. But I said, I am not your Holy Spirit. You have got to get educated. You need to find out what these people stand for. Because here's what the word says. Proverbs. If you don't mind. Phyllis, Proverbs. 1434. Everybody read that together. Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Again, righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. We cannot elect people who endorse sin. Righteousness is what exalts a nation. What is righteousness? Where does it come from? Is righteousness not a gift? that is given to you by Christ. And that gift comes when you accept the Lord of glory into your heart and into your life. You become the righteousness of Christ. And that righteousness, that right standing with God, it, it exalts a nation. And sin brings a nation down. China did a study for over 20 years. They were trying to figure out why was America so great? This is published. Why is, China, why is America so great? And here was their conclusion. We thought it was your great financial systems. We thought it was your government. We thought it was your, the way you conducted commerce. We thought it was all these things. But we came to the conclusion, it was your religion. This religion you call Christianity. 
That is what has exalted your nation. That is what has exalted this nation. That is why this nation is the nation that it is. That is why, because there has been a God over this nation who is good. And His mercy is new every morning. And He is needing God's people in this hour to rise up and be a voice. To not allow sin to master you, but to be salt and to be light in a dark, dark culture where Christianity is no longer esteemed and valued. George Washington, as he was giving his farewell speech, as he was leaving being the president of the United States of America. This is what George Washington said. Love it. Morality cannot be maintained without religion. Morality cannot be maintained without God. What is morality? Morality is the conformity to the rules of right conduct. Goodness, virtuous conduct. George Washington was saying, man, you can't have a nation with goodness. You cannot have a nation with good conduct, virtuous conduct, without God. God is the, is the steerer of a nation. My morality without God is really low. I've overcome some strongholds in my life because of the pursuit of Jesus Christ. Without Him and the Holy Spirit convicting me and dealing with my heart, I would still be in some garbage. And I still have a ways to go. Anyone else? Because we're being conformed to the very image of our glorious Lord. As He molds us and makes us, He puts us up on the potter's wheel and He begins to shove the clay down and begins to soften it again and He shoves the clay down and He begins to soften it so that we can be conformed into the image of our glorious Lord. That's what He's doing in us. So my question again, are you under the influence? Are you just like everybody else in the world with opinions, doing what best benefits you? Or are you about what benefits the kingdom of heaven? In Psalm 75, it says that it is God that puts down one and sets up another. In Daniel 2, it says he removes kings and he raises up kings. See, God knows the outcome of this election. Our God is sovereign. And he knows more than you. I know that's shocking for some of you. But he does. And he's waiting on you to be under the influence of the Spirit of God to exact justice.
to bring righteousness, to bring his kingdom to the earth. He's needing the people to come in agreement with him in 30 days. He's needing the people to rise up and vote based upon the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of this world. If we will do that, I believe God will bring the justice that he wants. If we don't, we will get what we deserve. Stand with me for a few minutes here. So I said you need to be led by the Spirit of God and you need to be led by the Word of God and do your candidates have a biblical worldview. But I want you to close your eyes for a minute and I'm going to say a few more things, but I want everybody to close your eyes and I want you to listen to what I'm saying. I believe this is important. God gives us the leaders we deserve. Especially in America because... Our forefathers worked really hard in covenant with God. And they were inspired to create a system that would allow us to choose our own leaders. Collectively, as God's people, if America has enough salt and light, we should choose the very best to lead us. But our salt and our light, it definitely has been compromised. But as our culture has declined, hear me, we've turned farther from God and we've turned more towards sin as a nation. And therefore, our collective judgment as a nation, our collective judgment as a people has become very clouded. People now vote for candidates with their own values. I said it earlier, if you're a marijuana smoker, you want that guy to, who's going to legalize it be who you vote for. If you need governmental help financially, you're going to vote for the one that is going to give you more goodies. If you need health insurance, you're going to be the one to go votes for. That's kind of been the way our nations went. But here's what I believe. Those motivated by God and those motivated by biblical truth and those who are under the influence of the Holy Spirit, I believe they vote for candidates who will honor God and reflect His glory and His goodness and godly values and they will reflect that in their public, public policy. And so it's going to be important for God's people to look at their public policy. But as your head is bowed and your eyes closed, my question to you is what about you? Will you honor God and His values over your own? Will you honor God and His value and what is important to Him over your own? Are you going to be under the influence in 30 days? Here's what I believe you need to do is you need to get 
all the information you can get on your candidates. And you need to make a decision based upon the Holy Spirit and upon the Word of God. And I pray today you've been convicted about that. I pray that those who are not registered to vote, you get out and you register tomorrow. I pray that we all go to the polls. I pray that as America goes to the polls, I pray Christians come out in a massive, 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 I pray it increases by 93% this year. I pray that God begins to move because we're at a critical season, we're at a critical hour, we're at a critical time where the body of Christ, the 35 million Americans who are evangelical Christians need to be a voice so that we can change the culture, we can change because we do have influence. We do have influence. And I pray that you're going to be a part of that influence. 